Welcome to the Invested Dads podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I'm Austin Wilson, co-portfolio manager at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of wealth management at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us grow our podcast? We would love it if you'd subscribe if you're not subscribed already and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening so that other people can find us and then they can listen to our episodes and subscribe. It's just a circle of life, man. Circle of life. That's how you can help us. But today, are you ready, Josh? I'm ready. We are going to be discussing the growing and somewhat controversial topic of ESG investing. Okay. Now, before you ask, yes. ESG, three popular letters. Yes. It's another financial acronym. What does it stand for? Yeah. Environmental, social, and governance. All right. And this is kind of correlated to the thinking of socially responsible investing or SRI. People use those interchangeably. So side note. We have a lot of acronyms in our industry. Two or three. Yep. And you know who else has a lot of acronyms is the healthcare industry. Absolutely. Yep. You know, you can get an EKG and all yep. those fun things. MRI. Yep. And so, true story, there was a friend of ours who was a nurse and was going through a lot of, you know, you have to keep continuing education oh, yeah. in there as well as you do here and always learning, always studying a lot. They work like 12-hour shifts, 24-hour shifts. They're always working and she was exhausted and she was telling me the story that she went into the cafeteria and was looking at the menu and saw one of the menu options was EGG. And she's like, what does that stand for? And she could not figure out what <laughs> it was e- just egg. It was just egg. Uh, but she was could not figure out what that was. And she yeah. said she stood there for about five minutes trying to think what that acronym <laughs> was for. Her brain was fried. It was literally fried. I like, I like it. like it. All right. Or scrambled. So one of those two. Scrambled, yeah, one of the two. So let's break down those three magical letters yes. for this sort of thinking. E, e in the ESG acronym stands for environmental considerations. Okay. So really what that is focused on is the environmental aspects of a company. Does mm-hmm. a company have a positive or negative impact on the environment, how they're getting their raw materials, their carbon dioxide emissions, all of this stuff, how and if they're using things like renewable energy or recycling products, could be just thinking about sustainability in general and mm-hmm. how sustainable their business model is over time. So that's really the E there. The S, turn the page to the next letter in the acronym here, social. Yes. So this is social consideration. Yeah. How many friends do you have How in ma- your company? Well, not you, Josh. That's oh. not that many. Oh. <laughs> but there could be a number of different ways to look at this. Looking at diversity, you know, there are a lot of different metrics and ways you can measure that. Labor practices in general, like are you paying your people and compensating them well? Do you have a lot of labor disputes? Do you have good benefits and these sort of things, as well as things like, hey, are you hiring, you know, indirectly like slave labor in a third world country? Yeah. That'd look bad on yeah. the S category here for you, uh, as well as things like community engagement. Are you engaged with the community? Are you trying to better the community that your factories or headquarters are in by being involved in the planning and the processes around all of that? Okay. So that is, you know, also known as an indirect discussion around impact investing in general. So this is a way that investors can support socially responsible causes through their investments. Third letter is G, governance considerations. And this is a big one, but it's it's very important for ESG investing to look at how corporations are governed. Are they governed in a responsible way? And there's a number of ways to do this. 
But, you know, they would like to look at things like how is the board of directors comprised? Is the board of directors diverse? Are they involved in a number of different industries? Are they all from one background or just a number of different ways to look at that as well as... Is the CEO also the board chair? That's the question. That's That's the one I was getting at next. One of the biggest ones is, is the CEO the chairman of the board? And if Mm -hmm. it is, that's generally not a check mark in the box. They don't like to see that. They like to see some separation there so that the board can keep the CEO accountable. Not often the case, actually. In a lot of ways, the CEO is the chairman of the board. The CEO is usually on the board. Yep. And in most instances, even nowadays, the CEO is the chairman of the board. So that is one way that you know people are using their money, and that's one more thing we're going to be talking about, to drive some corporate responsibility through ESG investing. So mm-hmm. 10 pros of ESG investing. Then we're going to take a little break because Josh... What? That's he, a lot. You're going to have a dad joke and we're going to do 10 cons. Oh, man. That's a lot. All right. Really, the theme of ESG investing has gained a lot of traction recently because there's been a lot of discussion around sustainability, around climate change, around ethical considerations and business practices and all of this. So let's focus on a couple of different good things that the ESG investing movement has kind of going for it right now or how people perceive it anyway. So number one is... ESG investing allows you to invest your dollars along with your values. So this allows an individual to invest in companies or projects that really align with their personal values, their belief systems, and, you know, support causes and industries that they believe in. Maybe that's environmental conservation. Maybe that's social justice, but you can put your dollars where your convictions are. So that's kind of a pro. You can kind of align your investments with your thinking. Number two, risk. Oftentimes, with the ESG investing, you are able to be investing in companies that are perceived as less risky if they're scored more favorably from an ESG perspective because these companies often have better risk management, which hopefully, not always, but hopefully can lead to more stable or resilient performance during tough times. Yeah, in the, the G, especially, the governance section. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Hopefully, that risk mitigation focus can be another layer of maybe some stability for those companies. Number three, stakeholder engagement. Now, stakeholder is a broader term than shareholder. So corporations, number one duty is what, Josh? To provide value to the shareholders. Shareholders. But ESG takes it a step further and talks about the stakeholders. And the stakeholders could be more than just the shareholders, but the employees and the communities that they're in and really yep. society as a whole would be stakeholders. So are these companies bettering the people that work for them as well as the shareholders and the communities and all of this. So that's the whole stakeholder thinking. But ESG investing encourages companies to engage with those stakeholders and really foster some positive relationships, which hopefully will make the brand be perceived as more strong over time and increase customer loyalty, which is obviously very good for business. Mm-hmm. Number four, companies that focus on ESG often are more innovative and efficient or perceived to be that way, but they can be looking for cost-saving opportunities to reduce resource consumption. This would be the E, the environmental side of things. To be more efficient in what we do. Which can lower emissions because they're capped on carbon emissions. So that also lowers costs. And that can also ultimately improve their supply chain resilience, which as we found in 2020, 2021, was very important Mm -hmm. if you have a more resilient supply chain. Number five, Josh's favorite one. Yes. ESG investing and considerations in that category can often align with or anticipate regulatory changes so that you're compliant with A, the rules that are in place now, or ones, or B, the ones that are to come. So compliance. Josh loves compliance. But companies that are proactively addressing those ESG issues 
often perceived as better to comply with even future regulations, maybe avoiding avoiding fines or legal risks over time as well. Number six, many ESG industries are focused on growth markets. So growth markets are things like growing industries, one of those being renewable energy, sustainable technology, uh, and these can actually generate some high growth over time, which is kind of a, a good thing to be exposed to some growing opportunities. Number seven, diversification has become a lot better in the ESG industry. You were limited there for a while. Yep, there for a while, it was really limited, but now it seems like almost every you almost have every category represented with some sort of ESG option, or almost every company is publishing certain ESG documentation. And I think that's the key is you can find the information a lot easier now than you could 10 years ago. Absolutely. So then as a result, it's easier for people who are wanting to invest in this to find a more broad group that fit that yep. criteria or at least to the level they want to yep. see that criteria at. Yeah, so this is going to allow investors to hold a, a more diverse portfolio probably than they ever have because they now have access to the information of more sectors or more companies than they ever had before. Number eight, ESG investing can theoretically drive some positive social and environmental change because that would then push investor capital toward companies that they believe are making a difference. So if you're putting your dollars into companies that adhere to what you believe in, then they'll be able to have more access to easy capital, cheap capital to grow and do more things and continue to grow in that same way. So that could hopefully have an impact on a better world there. Number nine, transparency and accountability. So Companies that are involved with ESG and focused on that a lot tend to be more transparent and accountable to their shareholders and stakeholders, which really ultimately invest, enhances their confidence. And this is through their their filings that they're putting out, the detail that they're putting out on all of these different categories, whether that be E, S, or G, uh, all those different measures that they could do. That's really going to allow people to trust what the company is doing more ultimately over time. And 10th and final pro for ESG Market demand. It's really become something that's just been more and more demanded by investors over the last handful of years specifically. So as more investors are seeking ESG-friendly options, the market has offered more products, essentially, and more opportunities to do so. So a lot of different pros in the space. And really, this is something that's changed a lot, even in the last five or so years, mm -hmm. especially since COVID. I feel like it's really kind of taken off. Although the last year or so has, I feel like there's been a little bit less of a buzzword out there. But before that, it was certainly a little hotter. All right. We're going to take a break before we get to the con side of things. And I got a dad joke for you. More of a statement. I like it. All right. My wife left me. I'm sorry. Because I'm too insecure. No, wait, she's back. She was just getting coffee. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Along with that, it was my doctor told me I'm too paranoid. We didn't actually say that, but I think that's what he was thinking. <laughs> Classic. I like it. He likes it. And I like it. That's your dad jokes of the week. So let's turn the page. We looked at the, con the pros. Now we're going to look at the downsides potentially yes. for ESG investing. And I have 10 and 10. I did this for Josh. Ah, he likes nice round numbers. Even. Thank you. 10 good things, 10 bad things. Mm -hmm. We're going to try and balance things out so that you can make an informed decision here. So obviously, it's gained a lot of popularity, the ESG theme over time. Mm -hmm. But it is really important to know that there are quite a few potential drawbacks for the space as well. So here are a couple cons. Number one, one of the major criticisms of ESG and investing in general is that it might actually result in lower returns 
than higher returns compared to traditional investing. So some are really arguing even that excluding certain industries or companies due to ethical concerns can limit your investment opportunity list, which can lead to underperformance, especially when those ones that you're not invested in really take off. The energy sector yeah, if you had a big run. Naked, like meaning zero exposure or underexposed to energy, the only sector that was up, you probably did pretty poor. Yes. So, yeah, that's a great example there. Uh, number two, and this is my shtick, I guess you could say, okay. is that ESG criteria is subjective. Right. There is not an, a set rule. All three of those are very broad and e, yeah. open to interpretation. Even how Josh and I ourselves yeah. talk about the E, the S, and the G, we yeah. may have different preferences yeah. of what to look for. Put this across the entire investing community. No one can agree on what a good E, S, or G is. Mm -hmm. So it's completely subjective. It varies among different ESG rating agencies. It certainly varies among different fund managers. And that lack of standardization really makes it challenging for investors to compare ESG funds and really assess if they're making any impact at all in those areas. Yep. Number three, this is a popular term for people who are not necessarily the proponent of ESG investing, and that's called greenwashing, where they're either making it sound like they're more environmentally or socially responsible than they actually are, or they are just misrepresenting it or exaggerating it in some way. And this can mislead investors who are relying solely on ESG ratings and disclosures. Maybe you put all the right buzzwords mm -hmm. so that it fills the Google out really yeah. nicely, but you're not actually trying to make a difference. That is one example of that. Number four, while I did note that the opportunity list of investments has grown a lot recently, it also is still rather limited. You have limited diversification because certain ESG funds or investment opportunities might still be more concentrated in certain sectors or industries, which ultimately can lead you to less diversification. And this can increase your risk of poor performance if those sectors underperform. Mm -hmm. And that's a big risk. Number five, ESG funds or ESG-focused financial products can often have higher fees and expenses compared to traditional funds, and those eat into your returns. So if the underlying holdings don't do as well, potentially, and you're coupling a higher expense ratio on top of it, you can kind of double down on maybe underperformance over time if that just goes the wrong way for that sector or whatever. So that's unfortunate there. Uh, number six, performance volatility. So volatility can be more enhanced in an ESG-focused investment because public sentiment is huge. If a company's ESG perceived value increases a lot, the stock price might go up mm -hmm. because that sector of the investor pool might want it and bid the price up. But if it turns, boom, you can go yeah, the trouble. other way, even if the fundamental situation of the company is not impacted at all. So that is huge and must be known as a risk anyway. And then we've got number seven, potential market timing risks. Because when ESG is very in favor and you know it's a big point of focus, this can really cause ESG-favored companies to have a huge run. And then things can get overvalued and then correct. Mm -hmm. And that can really have some bad timing of how that flows in an investment cycle for people. Number eight, this whole thinking of ESG investing can really be perceived by a lot of people to have limited impact or lack of impact at all because you're not actually you're you're saying you're causing change by investing your dollars in companies are, that are doing this but you're not actually causing the change you're just investing your money um so it's passive ownership of shares right you don't definitely don't have a controlling interest in any of these companies likely so you're not actually going to be driving any change it's more for your feeling 
Uh, number nine, this is often looked down upon as well. ESG investing usually uses an exclusionary approach. So they're neg- what we call negative screening. Certain they're looking out. to eliminate yes. people, not add. So if you're looking at the S&P 500 as your starting point, you've got 505 companies. Yeah, that's right. 505, not mm-hmm. 500. And you negatively screen out the companies that are involved in energy and tobacco and coal mining and yada, yada, yada. Okay, so you're you're negatively screening out those companies, which is not always the most effective way to drive change. In fact, engaging with those companies to enjoy to improve their ESG practices could ultimately be more impactful. So exclusionary approaches are sometimes frowned upon. And number 10, it's not worldwide that there is a lot of access to ESG-related products. So they might be limited in some regions or asset classes, and this ultimately makes it really hard to make a globally diversified ESG-focused portfolio over time. So that is definitely a downside, especially as it relates to we're building you know diversified portfolios to withstand all kinds of market scenarios. Well, that could be a challenge using this sort of focus. Yeah, and that kind of plays into, as an advisor, I do get asked this question quite often, my thoughts on ESG investing. And pros and cons are very important to weigh through. And for uh, someone that I'm talking with, a client sitting across the table, it's understanding what you could possibly be exposing yourself to risk, all those things you're talking about, are the benefits of investing in a company who's lined up potentially in the same mindset with you when it comes to your impact on the world. Are you willing to take that chance? Because remember, it's risk-reward. And that's this is the same. We're not talking about performance risk necessarily in here. There's a chance of it, but in general, is the things that you are opting into is it worth what you're getting? And yep. it's, it is a risk reward balance. And so, for me, there's not an easy answer. Everybody's different. How much weight do you put to certain things? I can't answer for a client. Yep. But as their advisor, we got to weigh out the plan. Where are you trying to go? Will this help you get to that spot? Sometimes it's you know maybe not focusing so much on this, but in taking your assets and gains and utilizing it for a more direct approach to your values. And that's exactly where I would recommend, and we're going to get to our opinions, but I might as well give you mine now. Go for it. Yeah, I would say, obviously, I I will admit, we have ESG tools at our disposal that Mm -hmm. we utilize. Okay, a lot of data is at our fingertips, and we kind of generally know our risks and exposures with what we're investing in. However, to the point that that solely drives our decisions... Not always the case. There's a human overlay and management overlay to that as well. But our recommendation that I would put together a portfolio for would be saying, let's build you the best portfolio that's going to perform well now and over time, best risk-adjusted performance to meet your long-term goals so that you have the best return over time. And then if you have that, you have more assets at your disposal to make a direct impact using your own money to give to the charity or the whatever you feel strongly, you know, called to do. My opinion falls close to that with the caveat that everybody can feel strongly about certain things. I have certain convictions that I'm just not going to budge on. Mm -hmm. And if your convictions fall within there, I totally understand when you say I cannot own or do not want to be investing or contributing to X, whatever that is. So yes, I think in the long run, the, the goal is first, give us the broadest chance to reach your goals. Give us the most flexibility to build a portfolio that's diversified and can give you the best overall results. But if there's something that you truly are convicted by, if your advisor won't 
match that, find an advisor that will. Right. There's times where someone comes to us and what they want, we say, you know what, that doesn't really fit with us. And that's so important to you. You need to find somebody that can Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. And that's very important. Oh, yeah. So that's where I'm at. But in general, most people, especially in the ESG standpoint, they're not so narrowed in on some conviction that they can't find a way yep. of working around it. There are on the side of it is like biblically responsible investing. Yep. You talked about socially responsible investing. The idea of even a more narrower mm-hmm. approach, taking even a more limited or more negative screen to even filter down yep. to a specific conviction. And level. a lot of people, they go in knowing that they may have a lower return and they're okay with that. Yes, they which still, is fine. Yeah, they still, they're going to get an acceptable return to mm-hmm. what they expect and that's what they do. And and I'll say that, you know, as it pertains to ESG, there there are deal breakers for Tony and myself yeah. managing money here. Yep. There are certain companies involved in certain industries that it may be the hottest thing in the world and we are just Not unwilling fitting. to do that. So I would say that most managers have that as well, mm-hmm. just as their own personal convictions, yep. which are going to you know tr- trickle their way down in their portfolios. Yep. Overall, ESG, great topic. Been in the news lately, something that I'm sure people have heard about floating around. Thank you, Austin, for kind of filling us in on what it is and some things to think about. If there are still more questions, feel free to reach out to us at hello at investeddads.com. We'd love to have a conversation with you more. Or if you have an idea for a podcast, we always love answering those and putting out an episode um, based off of somebody's question. Absolutely. Well, until next episode, have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review, click subscribe, and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.